Please pray with me. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. On the morning of the resurrection, Mary Magdalene saw Jesus, and she mistook him for the gardener. She knew him simply when he spoke her name. The evening of that same day, two other followers of Jesus saw him on the road to Emmaus, and it took much more to open their eyes, because they mistook him for a fool. Are you the only one around here who doesn't know what's going on? They ask him impatiently. How can you be so ill-informed, so disconnected? How can you just stroll along and not be terrified and distraught and enraged like we are? For Clopas and his companion, it seemed like the world was crumbling around their ears. It seemed like all hope was lost, and they are surprised, offended really, by this one they encounter who just doesn't seem to feel the same way. How dare he be so nonchalant, so uninterested and unaffected by all that has taken place in Jerusalem in those days. We also live in days where many feel that the world is crumbling about our ears. Where many feel that if hope is not totally lost, it is well on its way there. We also live in times where we would be as justified as the travelers to Emmaus to be terrified and distraught and enraged. Where we, like them, might feel there is nothing we can do about what's happening in the world around us. We might also be tempted to think that Simply being terrified and distraught and enraged is somehow doing something about what's happening in the world around us. Or at least that it's only the, the only right and proper response to the situation. And so we too might judge someone who is not sufficiently terrified and distraught and enraged as either foolishly ill-informed or wickedly disengaged. It seems to me that of all the things that divide people in our world, it isn't the great gulfs of social and ideological and political beliefs that are the greatest markers of difference, but rather it is between those who are panicked and those who are not. And the message of the constant news, no matter its flavor, is always toward the necessity of panic and the impropriety of calm. In such days, it is hard to know what to think and how to feel and where to stand in a crumbling world. Well, first of all, as followers of Jesus Christ, we are never called to surrender to fear or despair or anger. We might easily and very understandably feel those things, but we must resist them. And when those emotions seem to overwhelm us and we are tempted to just check out, to escape, to huddle together and pretend like nothing's going on, 
to say that everything's okay when it's not, then we must resist that impulse as well. For we are never called to check out, to disengage from the world where God has placed us. I think perhaps that this is one of the reasons that Jesus appears to these particular two minor disciples on the road to Emmaus, because they have failed in both counts. They have become terrified and distraught and enraged, and they have allowed those emotions to lead them to escape, to flee Jerusalem, to perhaps try to find somewhere new to start over. And what makes it worse is they have heard the good news. They have been told that Jesus is risen from the dead and that he has gone ahead of them to Galilee. But they are on the road to Emmaus. And just in case you haven't checked the maps at the back of your Bible recently, Emmaus is not on the way to Galilee. They have heard the good news and dismissed it as an idle tale because they have become overwhelmed by the bad news. And what can Jesus say to such as these who are blind to see who he is, who have taken him for the fool? But oh, what fools you are. Of course, bad things have happened. Of course, there is bad news. That is to be expected. But Jesus has taught them for so long that they are also and more steadfastly to expect that on the other side of all the world's bad news is the ultimate victory of the good news. That on the other side of all suffering is glory. That it is glory and not suffering that win out in the end. This is the message of Moses and all the prophets that he opens to them along the road, setting their hearts on fire. And this is the truth that's revealed to them in the breaking of the bread so that their eyes are opened to see the risen Lord. This is the imperishable seed of which we are born anew. This is the promise which is for us and for our children and for those who are far off. This is the gospel. That the Lord is risen indeed. And that therefore he has opened the way to the Father for all. And that the ultimate destiny of all things is restoration and eternal grace and hope and love. If we are to be the people who walk that way now, then there is nothing in this world that can truly terrify or, dis or drive us to despair or enrage us. And there should likewise be no suffering, no brokenness from which we must turn our faces and try to escape. Because as followers of the risen Christ, we know that because Christ is risen, that all suffering will come to an end, that all that we go through in this world will pass away, that yes, we recognize that the world is crumbling around us, 
But because Christ is risen from the dead, we know that it is just the old world crumbling around us so that the glory of the new creation might shine through. We are called to be the people who can face all the pains of this life, be they personal or universal, not as the death throes that they seem to be, but as the birth pangs that we know that they are. And that is a hard stance to take in a world that so values panic and yet at the same time so much tempts us to just disengage. And that is why we devote ourselves to this, to gather here for strength so often, to come here where the scriptures are opened to us so that our hearts might burn anew with grace and compassion and where the bread is broken among us so that we might see anew the unshakable hope of our risen Lord. We come here to be reminded over and over again, as we surely need to be, that we would be foolish to fear and unfaithful to disengage, that we must save ourselves from this corrupt generation that would counsel fear and encourage despair and engender rage and instead, like our risen Lord, turn toward the brokenness of the world, reach out to the hurting, but not with fear or despair or anger, but only with grace and hope and genuine love because we can trust that all are destined to share in the glory which will be revealed. And we can know that no matter what we must face in this world, that Christ is risen indeed, and therefore all will be well. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.